Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Hey, America. Week number 17 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. Last month was my best month. Each month keeps getting better. Thank you. Please tell your friends if you like this podcast. We're growing every week, um, and I need your support to keep it going. This is an evergreen. I'm on vacation. I'm in Italy. So if something crazy happened, and you're wondering why I'm not talking about it on the podcast, um, that's why. But I got some important stuff to say, and I'm going to say it to you today on this podcast about the future of this country after we get through this period of intense hyperpartisanship. I call it the hyperpartisan era. So let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are, as a people, not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. I believe that this country is going to survive this president and it's going to move on. And I think 10, 15 years from now, I think we're going to call this the partisan era, the hyper-partisan era. And the hyper-partisan era did not start with Trump. It started with Obama. I don't blame Obama for it. I blame Mitch McConnell for it. I blame Frank Luntz for it. I blame John Boehner and Paul Ryan and the Tea Party. I blame them for it. But we're going to call this the hyper-partisan era. And the Republican Party of this era will be called the new know-nothings because that's what they are. They don't want to... It's not that they don't know anything. They don't want to know anything. It's not that they're not educated. They're educated. They just don't want to be educated. 
They don't want to know anything. Don't tell me. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. That's who they are. The know-nothings, the new know-nothings. And I believe we're going to look back on this ter- on this period of history and, and, and people are going to say, what was wrong with this country during this history? What was wrong during this period? Especially if this nut gets reelected, which he might. I, I'm not one of those people who are out there that think he's absolutely a shoe and I think he's not going to win. But if I had to put odds on it right now, I give him a 51% chance of winning, which is better than even, right? Even though I say I think he's not going to win, I think it's more likely he will win if you just look at the numbers because that's just the way it works. He's got an electoral college advantage that may even be a little bit bigger than it was two years ago in 2016, three years ago. And I think he'll, he'll lose the popular vote by a bigger margin. And then where are we? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna fight. He's gonna lose the popular vote, sixty forty, and get reelected president. Uh, I don't know how much longer we could stay together as a nation with those kind of things going on. So we're gonna look back. We're gonna correct ourselves after this president. I'm sure of it. That's what we do in this country. And a lot of these old racist people that vote for him. And I, I'm not mincing words, guys. I'm not saying everybody who votes for Donald Trump's a racist, but all the racists vote for him. A lot of these old racist people are going to stop voting at some point because they're going to age out. Well, what do you mean they're going to age out? Well, you want me to say they're going to die? When I say that they're going to die, people get mad at me. They think I'm rooting for their death. I'm not. You know, there comes a point in everybody's life when you stop living. And if you look at who voted for Donald Trump, they were statistically older. They were statistically older, substantially older. Not just over 50, over 70. He got a very big share of the vote over 70, and he got virtually none of the vote under 40. Very small share. So what does that mean? That means that the people who voted for him are more likely to be dead at the next election than the people who voted for Hillary. I'm trying to be nice by saying they're aging out. There's only one place for them to go when they age out. Hell. I'm going to get some mail on that, right? (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. (laughs) Surprised nobody wants to call in about that one. It's okay for me to say that. I don't really believe in hell. (laughs) So, you you know, it's not not something I believe exists. So uh, I know I'm saying they can go there. But uh, I'm not saying they can go there. I'm saying if there is a hell, that's where they'll be. If you're looking for aged out Trump voters, go there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm waiting for somebody to, to call me out on that. But uh, so statistically, there's less of them. So I don't know what's going to happen. But I got this nightmare in my head that it's election night. And we discover that there has been some hacking into actual vote tallies in key states. And now the entire election is thrown into chaos. And where are you, Mitch McConnell? Why aren't you passing laws that would fund security and make accepting information from a foreign adversary a crime? Something that, it is a crime, but something that must be immediately reported by campaigns. Why are you just sitting on your hands? 
And why, when we bring Robert Mueller in, who's been investigating this, why do you want to just go down conspiracy theory road? And then, by the way, this is how you know they're all conspiracy theorists. When you talk to them on the news afterwards, all they want to say is how I'm a conspiracy theorist. I am not a conspiracy theorist. Not even a little bit. I'm not saying that the president colluded with the Russians. I read the report. His campaign wasn't smart enough to enter into a conspiracy with the Russians. They wanted to. They didn't. They didn't know how. But they were trying. They were absolutely trying. Read up. They were trying. They just didn't succeed. Didn't didn't rise to the level, at least evidentiary, to a conspiracy. Not collusion. Collusion's not a crime. Conspiracy's a crime. They were not in a conspiracy because they were too dumb. Now they're running the country. So we're gonna get out of this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna leave this era, this hyper partisan era that we're in right now. And I think that's what they're gonna call it. I think we're I think the era we live in is called the hyper partisan era. We're going to move past it and we're going to look back on it. And this is going to be a shameful period of our history. It's going to be like um, prohibition or slavery. Errors when we say, what were they thinking? Why did they do that? Right? Jim Crow. What were they thinking? Why would they do that? Slavery. Really? What were they thinking? Why would they do that? They're going to look at this error. The Trump error. The hyper-partisan error. And they're going to say, what were they thinking? Why did they do that? And I believe this country will survive. We got a president right now that wants to fundamentally change this country unilaterally. Without any input from Congress. We've got to push back. And I don't know that it's going to happen while he's still president. But there need to be a set of laws that remove some of the power from the president and give Congress a little bit more power, including, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday and I, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think that cabinet officials and people who are confirmed by the Senate for other roles. Like, um, I don't know, Chairman of the Federal Reserve, for example. I believe that those people should not be able to be fired by the president. At least directly by the president. I think that those people, if they are confirmed by the Senate, they should have to be fired by the same vote that confirmed them. So if they were a 50, 50, you know, you need 51 votes to confirm, you need 51 votes to fire. I, I don't think that the president should be unilaterally running this nation anymore. I don't trust him. And I think that there needs to be a greater amount of check. And I'm not just talking about this president. I think presidential, I, this president particularly, I don't trust. But I think presidential power has expanded to a point 
where it's time for us to start rethinking how we put a check on this man or whoever this person is, a woman, whoever the next president's going to be. Won't happen for this president. It's going to be the next one. It's scary to me. The, the founders felt that a Congress would properly check the president because the Congress would have ambition to check the president, that they would fight to protect their turf. They also felt that an election, which was, which look, in this country, a, a presidential election is never that far away, right? So here we are talking about impeachment. We know that there's a presidential election in less than 18 months, 17 months away. And we're saying, well, the impeachment process could take six months and then we're only, you know, we're only a year away from the election. What's the point? Not even a year, right? So um, why do it? Well, the founders had that exact debate in Philadelphia in 1789 when they were debating the Constitution. In America, they said no. We, If we have a president who's damaging democracy, damaging our republic, we can't wait for an election. We can't trust the election even because that man or woman may be doing things to our republic to influence the election and it is incumbent on Congress to remove that person. They didn't trust the voters. Trust me, America, they did not trust the voters. <laughs> and they were right in a lot of ways. We don't live in a democracy. We live in a republic. If you could keep it. That's what Benjamin Franklin said. It's a republic if you could keep it. Can we keep it? And that's the question. Can we keep it? Because here we are, America. We got a president who thinks he could do whatever he wants. He said about a week ago. Article 2 of the Constitution allows me to do whatever I want. No, it doesn't. Article 2 of the United States Constitution does not allow you to do whatever you want. That has been proven time and time again in this country. But it is time for the branch of government most charged with checking the president, the Congress, to check the president. Now, does that mean that the House of Representatives should open an impeachment hearing? Probably. Probably. It's what the founders wanted them to do in a situation like this, where you have a lawless rogue in the White House who is threatening the republic's very existence, particularly with his foreign entanglements, America, which the the founders were particularly concerned about. It also means they need to check them budgetarily. They just passed the budget, and, and I... I got to tell you, I have a sneaking suspicion that Nancy Pelosi, because she is a genius in a lot of ways, wants to wait till the president signs this budget bill. And after he signs this budget bill, have at it with the impeachment. Because until he signs the budget bill, which he's going to sign this weekend, the Senate's going to pass it, the House passed it. When he signs the budget bill, the budget is secure till the end of his first term. No more issues with the budget, no more debt ceiling issues, no nothing. He supports it. They're all on the same page. Get that done. Once it's done, he can't undo it. 
and then they could get to work impeaching him. I also believe that she wants the the Senate vote to happen right before the Senate primary season, which starts, you know, end of April and goes till about June. Make a few people squirm and then maybe have them have another vote after the primary during the general election season for the Senate put them in a real tough spot because look they're not going to the Republicans in the Senate are not going to remove this president no matter what we can make some of them sweat right so do you do it before when they're in a primary when you you know they got to be rabid as possible and that maybe hurts their chances in a general election or do you do it after where there are some of them in states Cory Gardner Susan Collins states that they should lose right And if they are seen to be too cozy with the president, maybe that hurts them. Maybe that impeachment vote hurts them if they vote not to impeach or not to remove. The founders did not want us to wait for an election. They did not want us to wait for an election. The founders wanted Congress to act. Elections are never that far away. Two years three years, four years at the most if you're the president. Right now, it's it's not even 18 months. It's, uh, it's 14 months. 15 months. It's 15 months away. It's amazing. 15 months. And here we are. We're in the hyper-partisan error. And when it's over... And it's in the dustbin of history. And people are studying it. What are they going to say about us? What are they going to say? What are they going to say about the people who are just bootlickers in the United States Congress? I get it. I mean, if you're a conservative radio host and that's your audience and you're trying to entertain them, you could be a bootlicker. That's fine. If you're Sean Hannity or Tom Shalero. But if you are a member of the House of Representatives or the United States Senate and you're just going to sit back and do nothing as this president runs roughshod over the United States Constitution, what are they going to say about you 15, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? I don't think it serves you well. I don't think the history books are going to be kind to you. I think that you're going to be looked on as somebody who betrayed the Constitution, betrayed America, who draped yourself in the flag, but knew nothing about what it meant to be a patriot. Knew nothing about what it meant to serve this country first. You might have been an America first person, but you never put America before your own political power. You never put the Constitution before your own political power. You sat there and you filled while the Republic burned. And I believe that the fire will be put out. I believe we will survive this. I believe we will course correct. I believe we will do the right thing as a nation. And it might take us a couple of years, but we'll get there. Trust me, we will. But we're going to look back at this era and be crazed by it. 
Hey America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. All right. I'm back. So, look. I I just have to put this out there because it's getting crazy, right? I am getting tired of the right-wing trope that liberalism is some sort of mental illness. And, you know, it was one thing when years ago it would be said on the fringes But it's starting to creep into mainstream conservatism. And all I could say about that is that's like any other ad hominem attack where people are debating and they don't have any issues to talk about. They don't have any points to contradict or facts to use. So what they do is they attack the person. And, you know, the president does this a lot, right? He's doing it. You know, we saw him do it with the squad. We see him doing it with Representative Cummings, where rather than go after their ideas or the points that they're trying to make, he attacks them personally. Now, Elijah Cummings is a historic figure in this country, and he's somebody who the president should absolutely respect. But, you know, you don't have to like him. You don't have to agree with him. But to make ad hominem attacks and say, well, you know, he comes from, you know, a, a, a district that's uh, uh, that's dirty and uh, vermin ridden. Nonsense. That's an ad hominem attack. That is not attacking the substance of what Representative Cummings is doing in Congress. So, America, you know, talk to your conservative friends about this, because this is something that is absolutely 100% troubling to me and something that I think more conservatives should be standing up to. It's one thing to disagree with me politically. And, and, and I have many friends on the other side of the aisle who I disagree with politically and on issues. But it is quite another thing to say that there's some sort of mental illness or corruption even behind my political thoughts. Now, if you've got proof of my corruption, have at it. But This meme that liberalism in and of itself is a mental disorder. You hear it on the right. It used to be just the extreme right, like the worst right-wing internet trolls would say it. Now it is starting to become mainstreamed to the point where even some elected conservatives have been inching closer to that line. This is why, you know, This election is going to be crazy, right? 
it doesn't matter who the Democrats nominate because the president of the United States is not going to want to debate the issues. He's not going to want to talk about a health care plan for the millions of Americans who don't have health care or who will lose their health care should Obamacare disappear. No, he wants to say whatever the Democrats are proposing is socialism. You shouldn't let them do that. You should say, what is your plan, Mr. President? America wants to see that everyone has access to health care, affordable health care, quality affordable health care. What's the plan? Don't demonize my plan. If you've got a point to raise that would make my plan better, or you have a better plan that you would like to introduce yourself, by all means have at it, but do not call my plan names. I mean, this is the problem we have right now. The name-calling the grievance culture. It is amazing to me, absolutely amazing to me that more people on the right don't stand up. We, I always go back to that incident on the campaign trail where John McCain had to take the mic away from the woman and there was another incident where people were saying other things, just ad hominem attacks about the character of Obama and McCain shut them down. We all remember the woman where she said, he's a Muslim, I'm afraid of him, and he took the mic from me. We remember that. But there were other incidents as well during that campaign where McCain showed real courage and real leadership in standing up to those ad hominem attacks, those really, quite frankly, nasty and xenophobic and downright somewhat racist attacks on his opponent. McCain, who is a true leader, a true hero, Someone who's politically, I had many disagreements with John McCain, but I never questioned his character. He was a leader. He stood up and said, stop. So I'm wondering, you know, where are the right wing voices that are willing to do that as Republicans head towards 2020 with no issues to really run on, on issues that the American people care about? I mean, they're not going to have a plan for health care. They're not going to have a plan for infrastructure. They're not going to have a, a plan for income inequality, even though that was the president's main theme in 2016. No, they're going to just demonize. The president is just going to demonize. He did it to Hillary. He demonized her. And he's going to do it to whoever the Democrats nominate. They can nominate Joe Biden. They could nominate Governor Bullock. Both of them, you know, moderate Democrats. They're going to call them socialists. They're going to say, they were taken over by the socialist wing of the party. You watch. You watch. They don't have anything to say. They don't have any issues to present. So they're going to demonize. That's what our politics has become in this age of the new know-nothings. This hyper-partisan age we live in. I don't know what I'm going to call this episode. If I'm going to call it a hyper-partisan era or the new know-nothings, I don't know. I'll have to make that decision rather soon. But that's where we're at. Stop them. Stand up to them. I'll be right back to wrap it up. All right, America. Yes, I didn't talk about the debates this week because I am pre-recording this episode. I am 
not in America as this is being released to America and the world. I'm actually traveling for the first time in my life in Europe. I'm actually in Italy. I'll talk about the trip on my next podcast. I hope you enjoyed this, uh, you know, just this kind of view of where we're at. I, I'm not as pessimistic as I sound. As I said, I think we're going to get through this and we're going to look back on it and we're going to be very critical of our leaders during this era. We're going to be critical of me. I mean, I you know, I say this all the time, like I'm an observer. I go on TV and I, I fight like everybody else. I play the game. I try to make my points. But we're going to look back on this era and we are going to be, we're going to be, downright mystified that it ever existed at all that we lived like we're going to look back on this era like like you know like prohibition i say you know and how could they've been so stupid slavery how could they have been so cruel we're going to look back on this era bewildered by this we're going, to, we're going to look back and just not even understand how we ever got to this point. But I promise you, America, we are going to look back on this and we're going to be in a better place when we're doing it because that's the way this country is. We always get better. We go through some tough spots. We've done it before. We recover and we move forward as a nation. And I believe we're going to do it again. So remember, America, seek the truth. Question everything and everyone, even me. Seek the truth, America. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look hard enough. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.